Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago and joining me here is the founder of Mission USA, Glenn Fitzgerald. I've got my piggly wiggly koozie and I'm ready to go. That's really what you need. That's also the title of like the fourth best John Cougar Mellencamp song. Sure, yes. (laughs) So joining us, the director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer. I'm consumed with jealousy for said piggly wiggly koozie. Well, that seems right and fair. Yeah. And a man uh, joining us from very near the genesis of the Piggly Wiggly market, uh, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, No Church, Tennessee, Lee Younger. And yet, in a town where there is no Piggly Wiggly, so I can't acquire a Piggly Wiggly koozie at all. Mm. Knowing what I know about the town of Oak Ridge, having grown up there, that it's you know very you know basically a company town for scientists and you know the whole right. thing and take education very seriously, I'm not sure a Piggly Wiggly would do well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure the newly the newly moved to town, the, you know, guy with the dual PhDs in physics and astronomy from Connecticut would was is ready for the Piggly Wiggly. He, he's yeah. not big on the pig. The, yeah. He he is very much not big on the pig. I'm just not sure he's he's prepared for it. Well, yeah, we, we have a lot to get into. We have a, some great questions. We've got a lot to a lot of wisdom to dispense. But first, I have to declare a public service emergency. Whoa, wow. is everything oh. okay? Apparently not. Yes. I thought I thought everything was fine. Okay. The okay. more you know, <laughs> no doubt. I thought I thought we were all just going through going through life, not not sinning, not you know, right. trampling the scriptures under our feet. Right. And then this week, something came to light. Okay. There's a very uh, well known and famous. I believe his term is his official job title is Bibleman. Ah. Oh. And somebody <laughs> wrote in and asked. You know, I go to I go to seminary. And they got these, some of these newfangled lady teachers. Whoa. Uh, but they're just teaching ladies. No, no, they're teaching everybody now. <laughs> but That's why he was confused. They're, they're, they're lady teachers, meaning they're teachers, probably dudes, who are teaching ladies. No, Glenn, I, it took me days to understand this as well, so I very appreciate okay, it. Yeah. They're, they're lady persons uh-huh. who went to college okay. and got their degrees, okay. and now they do the teaching. Uh-huh. It's, it's living in an upside-down Twilight Zone episode, but apparently this is happening. Okay. okay. And, you know, so this young man, had to be, wrote in to this person and said, you know, I pay the money, the exorbitant amount of money, yes. to go to this <laughs> seminary, and this is the person they hired, who's presumably has some level of expertise in this subject. Mm-hmm. But I'm just worried that this may be a woman having authority over me. Wow, and that the Bible's not okay with it, right? Wow. So you know, I'm and I'm just a troglodyte. So right. I would have thought you're paying money to learn something, right? And this is the person that this institution is deemed qualified to teach that, right? So you show up and take the notes, and right? Or you, like you do in college, like I did, you you just kind of the first day say, "What do I have to do to get a C plus? Fine, I'll do that. I don't care what it is, right? Whatever it is, right." <laughs> And by C plus, I mean D minus, but that's really neither here nor there. Right. That is for a diploma. No doubt about it. Some of us, some of us considered getting that tattooed on our upper arm when they were 18. But here's the thing. Now, and here's where the public service comes in. I want the brain trust to get in on this. Apparently, this, this, we run the risk of just a grease shoot to hellfire uh-huh. with the, the authority and whatnot. Yeah. Are there other areas of life where we, as Christian men, 
might be running this very risk. And Jed? Well, you got to tell me the rest of the story. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pins and needles now because our, our young inquirer, he writes in with his question to Bible Man yes. and says, they got the lady teachers, feels like they have authority over me. Is that okay? Yeah, what, be, what? Because, because essentially, the, my, my understanding of this question is, you're there to learn a fact. Right, yes. right. She knows a fact. Sure, she right, knows what right. that Greek word means. So she can tell you what the fact is that you need to learn, so right. then you learn it, and then you know it. Well, yes. this is the worst thing I've ever heard. What, what did Bibleman say? <laughs> well, uh, and I, I passed out several times. And that's that's his literal name, Bibleman? Yes, I think Bibleman. it is. I think it's, <laughs> yes. I think Jim Bibleman. Yes. Okay. <laughs> he, he, goes, he prefers James, but yes. Okay, whether he was born that or he got the job and then changed it, at least a marketing okay. thing, I don't know. But, um, well, here's, let me give the crux of it. Okay. And again, I lost consciousness several times. Sure, well, that's Reading this overly long answer. Do, do they have to fetch the smelling salts yeah, to bring you back? I feel that was some kind of um, just my nervous system using as a defense mechanism. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, but uh, basically the long short like of it. Like a fainting well, goat thing. Yeah. Right. yeah. Okay. Basically the long short of it well, there, was, well, there's the one part in the New Testament where Paul, very specifically to the church at Ephesus in the first century— has some things about women being teachers. Right, where he tells them, don't separate them out like we used to do. Bring them in so they can learn with the men Yeah, and be on an well, equal footing. we don't so care that's... for that part. Okay, okay. We also don't care for the part later where he literally says, if you're in Jesus, there's no difference between men and women. We don't like that part. Right, right. We okay. like other parts. Oh. So I want to focus on that. And oh. then I want to take those other parts we like okay. and say, just to be safe, uh-huh. even though that wasn't about seminary, uh-huh. And seminary was not a thing that existed at the time. Right. right. And seminary professor and pastor could not be more different jobs. Oh, boy. Yes. Just to be safe, <laughs> I'm again it. Yeah, yeah. And that's, again, where I think we, we need to, to help the people here. Because if, if safety is the goal, right, mm-hmm. right. why stop that line at teacher? Right. If we're going to be safe, let's right. be safe, folks. Right. That's good. Yes. Well, I like guys, that. here's my concern, if Tell I me. may. Right. Uh, I feel um, not convicted because this is total nonsense, but whatever the thing you feel that's light <laughs> conviction about total nonsense would be, uh-huh. oh. uh, baseless fear. That's yes. what I've got. Yeah, baseless good. fear. Go. I've got a baseless fear. And here's the thing. I, you wouldn't know it, but I, I went to college. Okay. Um, and Fair um, enough. I'm going to need to see some paperwork on that. I actually have a thing that says I went. <laughs> not good. with me understand but it's a bill yes that's correct But when I went to college, the college that I went to, they had this crazy pagan notion mm. that they would find the people who were most qualified to teach a subject. Weird. Right. And then they would hire those people to teach it. Right. Okay, that's and it's it's a world gone mad. All yeah. right. It's it's just a heathen pagan thing they've got going. Right. But I, I feel, you know, this is a circle of trust and vulnerability. Right. I, I feel ashamed to say it, but I just I need to unburden myself. I had a number of lady teachers in college. Right. Wow. And I hope you guys aren't looking down on me off of that. I hope you're I hope they you're, were they were an authority over you. Like they could they could make you do things. Like, well, they could literally assign me grades. Yeah. So yes, wow. they they had quite a bit of authority over me. And right, but they could like make you wash their car, for example. 
Probably they none of them did because they were like really good at their job, and so like, they didn't wash their car like was scantily clad and water spray. No, that, that's not actual college, Glenn. That's <laughs> movies about college you watched on cable in the nineties. <laughs> right, right. Here's my question: Do I need to repent of my education? Probably. Wow, just again, we're talking about safety. Just to be safe. Just right. to be safe. Uh, I think you need to uh, probably make a burnt offering. Okay. Your diploma. Okay. Yeah. Like build a pyre and okay. And just burn it. Yeah, go find some goat's blood and then just burn that. See, just here's the th- as we're talking about safety, though, uh, just in the interest of my own personal safety, uh, my amazing and brilliant wife, who is uh, who is a fan of this show, listens to the show. I'm again this. I'm again this whole thing. Again it. Again right. this well, whole thing. I think it's a great point, Lee, that you bring up about how your wife is sinning. Because um, Christy <laughs> is a oh, teacher's assistant, if I'm correct. Again, in, that. In Again an elementary it. school in which I believe there are male pupils. Who could grow up to become pastors. Leading them into perdition. Yes. Right. Like, she's just setting this this standard where, you know, female teachers are very knowledgeable and competent and nice and just want the best for you and your education because that's what Christian wants these kids and then they get to seminary they don't even realize this is evil yeah that's right that's how they get you <laughs> that's a, right. on the road to perdition is what that is by being a competent and pleasant and very talented employee christie's just ruining them yeah now wow. here's here, here's what I got concerns. Let's take this out of the educational sphere. Okay. Mm. So I I I didn't really realize I was doing this wrong, but I I'd read the article. Mm. Um, from James Bibleman, and I'm I'm going to the the Target because I have to buy things. Sure, that's right. We live in a capitalist society. That's what happens. God prefers Walmart, but go yeah. on. And no one prefers Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> if we were to rewrite Dante's Inferno for a modern context, it would be seven circles of Walmart. I think Sam Walton does not prefer Walmart. That's right. <laughs> that's very true. Also, he's dead, but. If he brought him back to life, he'd say, "Can can we just go to a Target?" Yeah. I think we went a bit far, <laughs> but I, so I take I got the thing I need and I take it up to the counter, and the lady starts checking me out. And then I realize, well, she's telling me how much this costs. Uh oh, mm. and like you know, it's like she's some kind of authority in the Target. Yeah, like I got to go through her to get what I want. Yeah. So I realized I was probably sending, so I just threw the money at her and shouted something about her being a Jezebel. <laughs> I just spread it out. That's good. Because I needed the wrench I was buying, right. but I wanted to minimize the contact. Sure. No, that's... Should I have just asked for a male cashier? I think that's the safe bet moving forward. Oh, good. You got to play it safe. Well, I just checked online, and a lot of oh. people in the world, they use that NIV translation. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there were several women involved Uh-oh. in translating. Whoa. Oh, my goodness. So that goes pretty deep, y'all. Okay. So they're telling you what to think about the Bible. Well, it's like they know something. Right. And then they use that knowledge right. to help other people know things right? so that they can grow and learn and minister to other people. Right. And according to James, James Bibleman, right. that is right out. Yeah, right there's a out. there's a small chance that might not fit into the entirely made up idea of gender I have mm-hmm. that I have a fancy word for. Yeah, so uh, better just not. Yeah. And Glenn is now giggling at me for the immense self control I'm using not to use that stupid made up word. Yes, but I'm not going to, and that's as long as I cannot do that. So, Jed, do you have one more thing before we declare it? Well, just, I'm about to blow this whole thing wide open, fellas. Please do. Oh. I, I, I th- and I just don't even know what to think. Okay. So Jesus, you know, it's, it's Good Friday, it's Easter, it's, you know, Jesus dies, he's crucified, 
He rises again. The first person he appears to, let's see, was it Peter? No, it wasn't Peter. Uh, was it James? No, it wasn't James. The Sanhedrin. It wasn't the Sanhedrin. It's a good they guess. They knew the most Bible, though. It must have been them. Yeah, yeah. that would be like, uh, you know, like an accountability thing. You know. So I think it was a man named Marv. No, Marv. I, no. I, I, that sounds, sounds like an older gentleman. Sounds close. No, you you the, you got the letters mixed up a little. No, really? What? Yeah. what Rav? Is that is that closer? Is that, <laughs> is that a name in any language? Oh, good? right. It was Mary. <laughs> Jesus appeared first to Mary, and then he told her to go and give an instruction to right. his disciples, who were men. Oh my goodness, my brain just exploded. I don't know what to do with this information. I feel threatened. So you're saying, <laughs> and I want to I want to make sure we're clear about this, that the people in the Bible know less about the Bible than random old white guys who write blog posts. I'm saying Jim Bibleman knows more Bible than Jesus. Thank you. I think that's where <laughs> the only logical place for this to end, and on that basis, I declare emergency off. Oh, Lord. Here, can I just say this? Please do. If you're a, a male person and white, we've just had enough. <laughs> we've had enough. We need you to just take a knee yep. and don't say anything for like a year. Yeah, don't don't be an authority on anything. Just don't, just people ask you say, ask, ask somebody else. You realize four white guys, the whole premise of the next hour of the show is us answering questions people ask us, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just, let's just sit in silence. We're... That just sit and just sackcloth and ashes. <laughs> it's like it's like a formal protest. It's our it's our public apology. Exactly. Sure. The flagellate cast coming next wow. week. Wow, I would listen to that. Okay, that. well, it's mainly thumping and screaming, but you'll you'll enjoy it. All right. Um, uh, and I look, I I feel the need to unburden myself and uh, just really get some off my chest. We have we have uh, many talented ladies who help in the the creation of Bridgebox. Yes, we do. Um, we have uh, Glenn's wife, Jane, who uh, coalesces some of the best stories of the month from the bridge and puts that together for us. We have uh, Miss Tasha, who uh, often helps out in many of our music projects. Uh, Bridgebox would not exist without Jed's wife, Hallie, who does mm. a, a ton of the the uh, back-end web stuff and uh, helps us out in a lot of stuff that we have. Uh, Christy will occasionally help out with some singing from other friends um, who will do that, who we've had uh, ladies contribute uh, devotionals. Ooh. That's where they write out their thoughts about stuff. Mm-hmm. And just because they're, you know, leading national experts on their field, and we've had young adult authors, we've had uh, very accomplished attorneys, we've had doctors. Social um, workers. Social workers. That's probably... We're probably going to have to stop that. Yeah, immediately. Probably just going to have to grab random, unqualified white guys off the street and... <laughs> Trust their word over anything else, right? Why not? Well, I think it is a slippery slope because each and every one of those women you just listed, with if you like, gave them some form of horrible brain trauma, <laughs> could still, without trying hard, outminister the guy that we're talking about. Yes, to put this no post out. So, doubt about that. It's not a high bar, but they would clear it, clear it mightily. No but doubt. if you want to get in on the apparently uh, deeply sinful uh, setup <laughs> that we have for Bridgebox, uh, you're still getting a lot of good stuff. A lot of the, the you know the uh, the Bible studies, the songs, the sermons, all sorts of wonderful stuff based around the topic. We're heading into the month of February, where the topic is, Jed. Topic for the month of February is yes. How do I know when to end a relationship? There you go. 
I've I I know things. Have you not been working on this for the past several days straight? <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> okay. I have. Okay, well, it's all kind of a blur at this point. So again, you get sermons that Glenn and I preach the bridge. You get songs from Jed and Lee and other friends. All sorts of good stuff. MissionUSA.com slash bridgebox. Only $8 a month. The number one way that folks who like the podcast can support the work we're doing up here in Chicago and what Lee does down there in Tennessee. All right. Now we're going to move on to our first question here. This came in. This actually came into our bridge uh, suggestion box. We were doing a, a, trying a new thing on the podcast. We've done a couple of times where uh, occasionally, because our coworker Pete uh, hates my sanity, he's bringing many, many people to the bridge. Yes. Because you uh, have to figure out how to get them I, home. That's that's the 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 uh, yeah the kind of uh, Kobayashi Maru we're working is Pete gets them there. Then I got to figure out how to get them all home before right. ten p.m. Right. Uh, so we're, it's it's a constant struggle where I just <laughs> want less people get to come to church. Right. <laughs> but so uh, the other thing is we uh, you, if you listen to our bridge podcast, you've heard us talk about it here on the show. We uh, the way the bridge works is uh, men and women in service will write down a topic. They'll put it in a like a suggestion box or a, an offering box. You like you may have the back at your church and. Then Glenn goes through those at the end of the month and sets out the topics for the next week. The problem with that, for the next month, the problem with that is we have uh, four or five slots the most. There's going to be four or five Tuesdays, and the recent uptick in, uh, in attendance is mean, means we've got some leftover topics. And that uh, weeping and gnashing of teeth you hear is uh, most of the pastors and pastoral assistants <laughs> who listen to this show hearing us complain about the problems of having too many people. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, but this is one that came into that inbox, and we thought it'd be a good one for the show. This person wrote in and said, I've been told I'm a good leader, and I think I'd make a good soldier. Being a soldier is the only thing I've ever wanted to do, but what does God think of a Christian being in the military and being in combat? And Glenn, why don't you start us off? Well, I think, uh, first and foremost, uh, defending your country and, and, and dedicating your life to serving your country is an honorable thing. It's a good thing. Uh, uh, the uh, uh, the first employee of this ministry was an uh, ex-military guy who uh, uh, went into uh, ministry after he did his military service. Uh, Jed, I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute, his wife, who is a military veteran and probably is not the kind of person you should tell that she needs to sit down and shut up in church. You can try. Uh, you can try. As long we, as I can watch. Yeah, we, we want to be there when you do it. That's all we ask. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, but it's, 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 it's an honorable thing to serve your country, uh, to defend your country. That's a, that's, there's nothing in the world uh, negative or wrong inherently with that at all. Um, and so, so we, can, we can dispense with the idea that there might be some creeping evil to it just sure. in, on, on the face of it. But the real question is, is this right for you? Is yep. this going to be a good fit? I think that uh, you, to, to suss that out, you really need to talk to other people who have served and what their experience were. Uh, was if you're going in as an enlisted person, you need to talk to other people who went in, uh, in under that circumstance and get a sense of what is reasonable to expect out of that circumstance what the, the, the experience of that is. I think you ought to be concerned about where your walk will be within mm-hmm. that. Um, you know, uh, what sort of Bible study type stuff can I get going? What sort of, what are the chapel services like? What's the quality of that? Will, will there be a little bit of problems hooking that up and, and getting a sense of uh, how will you maintain that walk through that, that journey and that experience? It's not you know, particularly impossible to do, uh, but it's about having a plan in place for mm-hmm. how you'll deal with that and, and be 
uh, uh, sort of squared away on that before you, you go in. Uh, I think the last thing I'll, I'll say just introductory-wise and centered around these other guys is it's important to ask the question, what do you think this will do for you? Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we go in, whether it's school or the military or even just relationships, there's a, sometimes we have a sense of this thing is going to magically confer upon me certain things that's not very reasonable. Mm-hmm. You know. uh, I think you can expect that this will be very tough and very grueling and very... Yeah. Uh, it will it will test your limits for sure. That's part of what they're what it's designed to do. Uh, you'll have uh, uh, certain resources when you come out of that for school and those kinds of things. But it's not going to solve every problem you have, and it's yeah. not going to to create a situation where everyone magically thinks you're amazing and cool, and that yep. that doesn't work that way. So I think it's uh, asking what do you expect to get out of that, and trying to determine is it reasonable to expect that will happen that's a really fantastic point and jed love to get you here as we as we alluded to your wife served uh, in the military served mm-hmm. in a combat zone indeed very much so so uh, i think you talked to her about this and what what would you have to say about that yeah i did this crazy thing uh, I, my wife knows more than i do about many things and definitely about the subject so i just asked her james bibleman shan't be pleased <laughs> <laughs> yeah like like is she an authority over you now well, in that she knows far more about me than, yes, her word would be. She, she's like an authority. She's an authority. Because she knows it. And because you too close. It, I'm yes. scared. Danger. Yes. <laughs> hey, as, as like a real side point, and I can't emphasize this enough, if you're in any form of Christian ministry and you're a dude, listen to your wife. Heck yeah, yeah dude. Uh, I say, That's the first thing I say to every pastor I talk to. If you're having problems, like there's ministry stuff you can't figure out, talk to your wife. Yes, please. Absolutely. And, and here's my challenge for you. Your wife will tell you things, and you're, you're, because you're a human, you go, well, I don't know about that. Push through that. <laughs> Try doing the thing your wife said to do. Yeah. Be persuaded. Yes. Okay. So, Hallie, uh, my wife, who is awesome, is has been a real-life soldier. She served in um, uh, Iraq. Uh, and so I asked her, and here's what she said. So I'm just, I'm just telling you what she said. The first point is, uh, and this is kind of very, very, very common knowledge among Christians who serve in the military, but um, uh, Jesus talked to people who were in the military and never once told them to leave the military. That's right. So, um, uh, he, he praised one of them quite a little bit. A- absolutely right. That is the story. Story of the centurion in Jesus. It comes up in two separate places, both in Matthew chapter eight and Luke chapter seven. It's the same story. And uh, Roman centurions weren't exactly in the uh, the administrative wing of the Roman military. They were uh, they were doing the full deal. Yeah, they were right. soldiery soldiers. So uh, Jesus praised his faith, and the subject of whether or not he should be in the military never came up. We also may note that Jesus was not shy about telling people when they needed to leave sinful things behind them. Yeah. So. Um, uh, the idea that you can't be a Christian and be in the military, there's there's just not a biblical basis for that. Um, what Halley said is what really matters is God's specific calling on your specific life, just mm-hmm. like Glenn said. Um, if God is calling you to be in the military and to be a light for, for him and for the kingdom in that context, that's awesome, and, and it's needed. Halley actually uh, got saved while she was in the military and um, you know uh, grew a lot because of older Christians that were around her and ultimately started uh, leading a Bible study when she was downrange uh, to, to help other ladies who were going through a rough time. 
time. And it's out of doing that that she got interested in doing missions, which is how she started volunteering at the bridge, which is how we met and how I wound up married to her. So um, it all works out. I would add one more thing for you to look at, which is to say that Christians often, that's right, I'm adding something. Yeah, do it. Yeah, that's right. It won't be as good. This is the key thing. The, the first two points yeah. are solid gold. It's like it's you're proving your own point. Exactly right. Exactly. <laughs> so the thing I'm going to add, which won't be as good, is Christians want um, always and never. Mm-hmm. Always do this one thing, never do this other thing. That's That's what Christians want. But here's the problem with that. Very few things in life work that way. And that's why, as Hallie said, ah. we need to seek God's specific leading in our own lives. You can be in the military and in a war zone and be an incredible force for good and a light for people going through a hard time. You can also work for a church and make the world a worse place and turn people off yeah. from the gospel. There are no always and nevers in these things. Mm-hmm. It just it's that's just not how life works. Um, seek out what God has for you. Right. Let Him direct you. It's certainly well within the realm of possibility that God would call you into the military. But let's let's actually check that. Not everything that you're good at is the same as the things that you're called to do. And we want to seek out what God actually has for us to do. That's a really fantastic point. And Lee, I'd love for you to pick up that thread. Uh, yeah. For us, not just when we're talking about military stuff. Maybe let's transition kind of out the out of that. But this will certainly apply to that. As Jed is pointing out, um, with any profession, no matter how um, seemingly benign nor how uh, seemingly hardcore, pretty much you can do the righteous thing or do the sinful thing. Right. So, no matter what goal we are, no matter what path we're currently on, and we feel God might be calling us to, how do we start to navigate that for ourselves as an individual? Well, I love that Jed uh, made the distinction between, you know, someone who's serving the military, who's really, really walking with the Lord and making a difference in the world, and then somebody who's, uh, you know, maybe in uh, some kind of ministry role who is not making, a, you know, a positive impact in the world. And and the deeper point in, in bringing that difference up is that the absence of a sinful thing does not equal a righteous thing. That is correct. Hello. So just because something isn't inherently wrong doesn't mean we are now on the path of righteousness. Righteous, righteousness is an active pursuit. And that's, that's something worth saying again, that righteousness is an active pursuit. So whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing in your life, there is a godly way to do that thing. And there's a godly path within that thing. And what we mean by that is the idea of Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever God is calling you into, and whatever you're in, letting Jesus call shots over your actions and attitudes, and so that you're doing, not just doing a, a thing, but you're doing a thing His way. There's a verse that 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 people quote a lot from Colossians chapter three. It says to uh, you know to work with all of your might unto the Lord or to the Lord. Um, I was looking this thing up, and literally that that little prepositional phrase unto the Lord, in the Greek, it is, uh, the words are more literally as the Lord or like the Lord. In other words, work with all your might as the Lord or like the Lord does. In other words, his way. Again, righteousness is not just the absence of sin, but it's an intentional thing where you're seeking out his way to do this thing. So whether or not we wind up doing, um, whether or not we wind up doing a military career, whether or not we're in some kind of ministry thing, whether or not we're a student or whatever, there is a way to do this in such a way that you are you are pursuing righteousness. 
you're not just kind of day in and day out, but you're trying to figure out how to have conversations, how to have relationships, how to do your de- even your deliverables in the way that Jesus is calling you to do it. And that, that intentional pursuit of righteousness, that's the next level. Um, so that whatever you're doing, even if your goal one day is the military, but right now you're doing kind of a you know, a work release program or something like that. You can do that in the, that same pursuit of righteousness in that same thing while you're trying to get to that other deal. Whatever Amen. we're in, we can pursue righteousness. And no matter uh, what it is we're doing, but again, w- whether the, our, our vocation is, you know, seen by society as a noble thing, um, which, uh, you know, serving your country, defending your country definitely, definitely has that aspect into it. Or if it's something that that people in the society don't respect, we can still do that uh, with an intentional heart um, to to pursue Jesus's way, and that is what makes this a godly pathway. Not the work itself inherently is it godly or not. That's a really great point. One uh, other quick thing I'd add to this, and kind of goes back to where uh, Glenn started us, is one thing I would suggest strongly, whether it's military or other kind of career, but specifically with the militaryism. Uh, one of the things you want to look at before you do something that involves a, kind of a big commitment, as you know, military service is, and multiple years, and you, you, know, you sign away a fair amount of number of rights on that, is to get a sense of what that's actually like. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not saying this is good or bad. This is just the way it is. Uh, the United States military particularly spends millions of dollars on advertising. That's part of their, that's how they reach their recruitment goals. Is you know, they, there's there's awesome commercials that look like a video game of you know people jumping out of choppers and stuff and. That certainly is part of that job, but you would do yourself very well to uh, find someone in your church, someone in uh, family, friend, whatever, and offer to buy them lunch who who has actually served and offer to buy them lunch and ask them, so other than the 30 seconds they showed me in the commercial, what's this actually like? And no matter what job you're looking for, if you're looking for a job at a bank, if you're looking for a job at a church, that's a great idea to do because... um, uh, recruiting is sales on some level, and if someone's trying to get you into something, they're 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 trying to sell you on it. Now, again, that's um, I've known people who've done military recruiting, and that does um, is very often people who really that ha- the military had a hugely positive impact in their life. They think well, they'll do that for their people. There's nothing wrong with that, but they're not looking to give you a full picture of the whole thing. So that's that's a smart thing to do in the military and otherwise. All right, we're going to move on to our second question here. This one came in anonymously, and it says. How can someone who is all caught up in themselves develop more empathy and understanding, especially towards people they know who can do better? And a fantastic question. And Jen, why don't you start us off? Well, I appreciate the honesty in your question of saying I'm I'm a little bit stuck on myself and, um, you know, I, I probably ought to do something about that. There's also a really, um, a really sharp insight here in that I'm kind of stuck in myself, and I see all around me people I think should be doing better and relating those ideas, because they're super related. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's actually look at that for a second. You say uh, people, that they know who can do better. Everybody can do better. Everybody everywhere. I know I can. Right. Yeah. At, At all times with all things. I mean... You know, pick whoever your guy is is the best in the world at, at, at whatever. Michael Phelps at swimming, whatever. He can do better. He, he's got another gear. He's, we, can, we can accuse anybody <laughs> of being lazy and unmotivated. Sure. Right? <laughs> I mean, uh, that it, it's, it's, that's actually you, – you have not contributed a new observation is, is the thing. Yeah. And I think it's worth looking um, 
are do you feel like you are giving your absolute a game all the time no matter what cuz you're not um so um two options either you think you are in which case we just have a false sense of ourselves i mean that's just that's not true or maybe we feel like we're give, we're trying super hard we're not achieving but it's like the other people it's like they're not even trying right and then we're almost jealous of the fact that they don't yes. have to push themselves the way we do yes well the answer there is for you to relax with your own self yeah. i mean that's that's actually um nobody can give their a game on everything all the time and no one has right to expect you to do that so if you're operating from a place of just feeling pressured and kind of pissed off at others for not being on that the thing we really want to focus on is letting ourselves relax. That's, you know, it's, it's very hard to be stressed out and overburdened and empathetic. Those are very difficult things to, to, to hold in your head. But, uh, in, in terms of a practical thing, you said, you know, how do you develop more empathy, serve people, right? When you put love into motion, in my experience, you will find your feelings beginning to catch up. Um, and I want to encourage you to, for a lot of reasons, to start with physical acts of service. Mm. So that could be shoveling snow, that could be mowing grass, that could be setting up chairs, carrying canned goods, uh, painting somebody's shed, whatever it is. But when we're struggling to have, again, empathy and, 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 a, and an emotional sense of compassion, it's pretty hard to just gin that up emotionally, to just say, now I, now I will feel different feelings. But when you get into the physical activity of serving other people in a, in a real, measurable, substantive way, um, one, you may find that you enjoy that. B, if you are feeling way too much pressure in your own life, which I suspect, this will give you a break which you really, really super need. Uh, but see, it's just a funny thing. When we get in the motion and the, and the action of loving other people, our feelings have a way of catching up off of that. And the reverse is not true. We, we don't, it's very rare that we gin up feelings of compassion and then we do something out of that. It, but, but the reverse doing and then feeling works much, much better. But we got you back. Choose to love other people, put that in motion, and I think you'll find yourself um, seeing some good results off of that. That's a really great place to start, and Leah, I'd love to get you to pick us up there. I think Jed brings us a very important point, a really sharp insight, which is it's easy to think of um, kind of a lack of empathy and this, this kind of being caught up in yourself as an inherently kind of nose-turned-up kind of kind of haughtiness, but there's, yeah. there's a lot of other stuff that can go you know, into that, of being um, running around and being tired, and even if that's of serving, you know, uh, the kind of people and the ways you're currently serving, that can really drain you out. And as Jed points out very, very wisely, one of the first things to go when you get run down is empathy. Because if you're feeling like you're giving your all, all you're going to see around you is people who aren't. Yep. So right. let's, let's take that service aspect, because I think there's another really good uh, aspect of that that happens and we can look for other places, which is just that kind of getting you outside of your routine and your normal self. Yeah, I think that, which I completely agree with Jed. I mean, it's the absolute shortcut is to change the channel off of your own life and serve somebody else. And the thing that I would, I would just add kind of a, uh, just kind of uh, another aspect to exactly what Jed's saying. And I would say, as you go out and look for someone to serve, let's look for some people who are different than you. Yeah. Um, this is a this is an odd thing, but but human beings are comfortable in being tribalistic and and what happens is is that when you are around people that are just like you 
your whole life, whether that's a, a racial group or a socioeconomical group or a neighborhood group or whatever, um, you, you, it's easy to get into a, a, a situation where everybody's playing by the same rules, everybody that you know, and everybody that you know is the same and just like you. And so if you start doing well, it's easy for you to look down your nose at other folks and feel like, well, nobody's, nobody's on my level. Well, one of the things that you find if you ever get outside of your own neighborhood, your own uh, race, your own class, your own tribe, is that people's stories are super, super different. And what one thing that, that happens to folks is that it's a whole, whole lot easier to not have empathy when you've never met anybody, mm. um, yeah. when you don't know anybody different than you. A uh, real quick case in point. Um I had somebody that was pretty close to me in my life who just kind of grew up with a certain attitude towards kind of everybody that was different than himself. And he had an opportunity through, um, through a sports thing to go out of the country and to go visit like uh, Israel and wound up like staying with some, uh, wound up with staying with some families, uh, some Palestinian families, eating in their home and getting to know them and all that kind of stuff came back from that trip with this unbelievable perspective about the Palestinians, their history, and just the, the things that they had suffered and all this stuff. And I was looking at this dude like, who are you? I've never heard you talk like this your entire life. And the only thing that had changed was he had met some people and found out they're yeah. people. And guess what? They're pretty cool. Guess what else? They've been through some stuff, man. You wouldn't even know. And the truth is, you don't know. Um, and so one thing that we need to do is broaden our landscape. We need to broaden the world. We need to get the world a little bit bigger and meet some people who are different, people from a different neighborhood, people from a different race, people from a different situation, different background. And you meet people and serve them, like Jed's saying, physical you know, ways of meeting their needs and stuff like that. And what you find is, um, yeah, these people are different from me, but like... In some key things, we're the same. We've had struggles, we have goals, we have dreams, all that kind of stuff. And you find out these people that I've classified in a, you know, with a label are really, really cool people. And oh my goodness, I care about them. And just getting to know people who are different than you, getting outside of your comfort zone, getting in over your head, serving some people and getting to know some people who are different, it could completely and totally change your world because probably... Without you realizing it, you have spent a lot of time around the exact same kind of people as you. And if you were to get to know some different folks, it would completely change your view of people and the world, and you would start to feel for these folks. And that empathy would arise in you just from knowing some different people, their different stories, and finding that you respect them. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think that's a really fantastic point. And Glenn, let me get you close this out with kind of the, the opposite side of that coin, because I think one of the things that comes up a lot in the work we do with the guys and gals at the bridge is um, a total lack of empathy for people who are exactly where you were. Right. It's not a difference of situation as much as a difference of time. Right. And there's a lot of, well, I figured it out and pushed through it, so yeah. why don't you just do it? When yes. with, there's maybe some details in our own story, someone skipping by, but I think that yeah. plays into a lot of what we're talking about here with your your view of yourself and the narrative you tell yourself about where you've been and where you are and how you apply right. that to other people, right? Absolutely. You know, as these other guys were saying, uh, you know, everyone can do better. Uh, but here's the thing. Most people do eventually do better. Yeah. You know, not, not, 
-hmm. Most people aren't the exact exact same way their whole lives. There's some people who are stuck in a pathology they can't break out of, or they have poor mental health, or they have some sort of uh, you know brain damage or something. Who knows? Yeah. But uh, most people evolve, they grow, they change. Uh, they you know they they don't do the exact same things they they've done before. That's a perspective of somebody who's minister to the same people for more than a couple of decades so that you see the arc of that journey. Mm -hmm. right. You see seeds being planted that take a decade to gestate or more, uh, but they do break ground. And so you say, well, okay, then I don't, why am I in a hurry? It's, mm -hmm. it, it, I want to see this person get where they're going, but uh, and I'd rather them figure it all out on round one, but I never did. So, yeah. you know, that's how that works. So uh, if I have a mentality of you'll come around to what I'm saying eventually, then that changes how I see them. I'm not saying I need you to figure this out now. I need you know, Sometimes we get into the, there, there's, there's a bit of a lack of maturity that we get where we think I'm in a panic desperation. This person needs to get this right now. Yes. And um, that creates more problems than it ever solves. You get yeah. into bad ministry techniques when mm -hmm. you're doing that. You're you're manipulating. You're using fear and all these different kind of things. Bad deal to all of that. Um, the other thing I, I think we need to look at is um, uh, we can get into this uh, 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 mentality where we talk about what people refuse to do. This person <laughs> refuses to whatever it is, you know. He refuses to take out the trash, or he refuses to apply himself, or he refuses to go into school and do the work hard, whatever it is. This idea of sort of this dismissive, uh, this person has made one simple decision based on a whim. Sure. And there's just, you know, there's there's nothing's going to change if this person decides to unwhim that whim, Okay. Uh, well, here's the thing. There's a reason why this person yep. is doing this. If you don't know what that reason why is, you could just go ahead and be quiet about it mm -hmm. if you'd like. Um, uh, it, and you could you could say, uh, uh, I, I you know I don't know why this person refuses to do this. Uh, you could tell the person, I, I would I'd love to know why you simply refuse to do the thing that will make this be better. Well, it's a great point, and critically, one of the things we look at in our ministry a lot is. Is, and there's also a reason that makes sense to them. Yep. Right. That's right. It makes sense to us. Maybe yes. utterly insane to us, but in their oh, yeah. own reasoning, the decision they're making makes total sense. Absolutely. Because if, if there was a logic to it, uh, then the, it's, it's the fact that this hasn't been brought to light, that this mm -hmm. hasn't been examined in their own mind. That, and that's why it, it holds up still in their brain. And if I say, well, it's apparent to me, you refuse to make changes. You need to make, make things better. Well, they're they're not going to be vulnerable and talk about the reason why they're dug in on on what they're dug in on. Uh, you know, I think that the, when I'm reading this, I'm thinking of the pastors that I work with, and frequently what I'm doing with them is they're saying I would like things to be better and I would like to grow, and that that's that's my thing. That's what I'm doing with them is growth, uh, outreach. Sure. That that's the, that's the part that I know about. We got people who want to go to church. You got churches. Let's get yeah. this up. Yeah, the, most of the rest of it you, you wouldn't want to ask me about, but that's that's my that's my little rubric there. I do that stuff. So I'm talking to him about that, and uh, 
ninety percent of those conversations are me saying, "Well, you could do this." I don't know. I don't want to. Well, you could do this other thing. <laughs> well, you if you if you did this instead of that, you'd you'd have half the problems you have now. Oh, change. Oh, tradition <laughs> and sister so and so wouldn't like it. And you could. Like, Greg is not con- condensing things. They just start chanting those words like yeah. a mantra. Yeah, yeah, and. It's very uh, tempting to get into a mindset of, well, I guess you're screwed. <laughs> Bye, and walk out because you're up a very specific creek. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Um, you know, uh, because you're 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 offering them concrete solutions that you know will work. That yes, it may get a little worse before it gets better, but that's you know. But my job in that situation is to try and and take a step back and look and say. What am I missing here? Why are they on what they're on? Because otherwise I won't get any progress. I think it's a great point. It also points to kind of one of the overarching things about this, which is uh, this is one of those situations where wanting to do better at it from the perspective of the person who wants to have more empathy is a huge step in the right direction. That's going to get you about 50% of where you want to go. Because people who just have a sociopathic lack of empathy are not bothered by it. Right. Yeah. If you're looking around and, and making some kind of judge of, uh, you know, whether that's, as Glenn's talking about in your job holding you back, or we're talking about in kind of just community and interpersonal relationships saying, I think my, uh, I think my mindset might be a big part of the problem here. That's, that's a huge step of the way towards changing it. Kind of as Glenn's given that example, um, because if you realize something needs to change and you're willing to admit that it's probably you, at least partially. Again, we're not say- and we're not saying that the people in your life aren't incredibly frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, no, I would especially not make that point about the pastors that Glenn works with. Right. Because I have to be around them too, and they're lovely people, but they're incredibly frustrating sure. on this one point. Yeah. But if you can open with, well, as Glenn's saying, just yelling at them to work harder <laughs> is not going to get us where we want to go, so i got to try a different tack here. That really is a huge uh, way to get there. As Glenn was kind of saying that, um, you got to have some humility there. Uh, Jed was pointing out that you can't have empathy if you're run around and tired and all that. I think we can. We think of empathy as sometimes a thing that you either it's just a personality trait you have or you don't. It's not really the way it works. It is something that can be cultivated. It's something particularly towards a specific group of people, like Lee was right. talking about. You can really gear that up, but you do, do need to have. I would say the two key elements on that, uh, uh, these guys will point to, are going to be humility towards yourself and patience towards the person you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you can focus on having those two things, saying, well, maybe I don't know everything about how this should go, and I need to work on myself, and, as Glenn's pointing out, they're probably going to get somewhere eventually. That, that mm-hmm. creates an environment within yourself that makes it a lot easier to have some empathy and to grow it where you need it. All right, we're going to move on to our final question here. This one came in anonymously, and it says... I keep hearing that if I believed right, I would feel the right way. Like, if I really believed God loved me, I wouldn't feel guilt or afraid. I'm pretty sure I do believe the right things. Is there something I am missing? And it's a fine point. And Lee, why don't you start us off? Yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm grateful that you wrote this question. This is a really, really uh, cool um, thing for us to look at with a lot of subtleties and stuff like that. But we should go from the top and just say... Um, you can have perfect, perfect theology and have really, really crappy days where you feel awful, uh, where you feel insecure, bored, listless, jealous, angry, all kinds of other stuff. Throw hungry and hangry both in there and all that kind of stuff. And that's because you're a human being and you're frail and you're fallen just like the rest of us. Um, 
and and also because the the stuff that you feel it just comes on you like you have emotions and feelings that just happen you can't always predict them you can't you don't know always where they came from and all that kind of stuff but what we want to look at is okay an emotion comes on me and the the interesting part for me after that is not can i believe the the right thing so perfectly and so completely all the time that i never have uh you know uh, you know these kinds of emotions i'm never sad i'm never whatever frustrated i i don't think that's a great thing to aim at I, but for me the interesting thing would be okay i feel the things i feel because i'm a human being just like everybody else what do i do with those feelings and that's the thing that we want to look at is what can I do next? Um, because how you handle those emotions and what you believe about them can totally impact the way that you the the way that you handle the rest of that day, the way that those feelings impact or drive the rest of your day. And I I think that you can get better at learning how to believe true things instead of lies, which is going to um, you know because a lot of the things that we feel. And a lot of the ways that we react to the stuff that we feel and the things that we do have to do with stuff that's just not true. Uh, and these are, you know, lies from the enemy or whatever. Um, Glenn does this thing, which I really, really love, which is sometimes he'll, you know, somebody will say a thing and he'll just say it back to them out loud. And, but, you know, with a, like a tad more cheek and... <laughs> And then say, you know, it sounds really stupid when I say it like that, doesn't it? Well, then why did you believe it? You know, and that happens to us that if we were to, if, if we were to have the kind of truth serum and we would say, well, the reason I feel this way is because I really believe that everybody hates me. Um, and it's like, well, that's not the way that, that is a lie that we're believing. And so a lot of times the stuff that we're going through is because we're, we're falling for stuff from the enemy hook, line and sinker. And I do think we can get better at that so that when feelings come on us, we can start to detect what is true. What is not, what is the thing that the Lord is telling us so that we can start to, we can start to kind of drive our emotions and rather than, rather than them driving us around the one thing that is true is that. Your feelings, your thoughts, your beliefs, all these things are kind of interrelated. Um, a, a licensed professional counselor will tell you that, that, your, that your feelings and your thoughts, that, they, that there is a connection there. And that we, what we want to do is we want to look for toxic thinking and get rid of it so that we can have healthy thinking. And all of that stuff is related. And I think that we can get better at it as we get more honest about it, as we get more... Uh, as we get better at, at at kind of being able to tell when this thing is happening to us, being honest about the feelings that we're experiencing when they come over us, and then get better at finding the truth in the middle of that. I think we need friends to help us do that, and I think we need a lot of honesty as we start to pursue these, as we start to pursue this and work our way through it. It's a really great point. I think that's a fantastic place to start. And Jed, love to get you here. Lee mentions uh, the need for friends and the need for honesty. I think those are both really good points. And we need to develop both of those. One to talk about kind of the the need for some healthy venting, some people you can you can be honest with. I think the other thing we need to uh, address there, which is almost certainly, when this person says, "You know, I keep hearing," that almost certainly isn't a parenthetical from the pulpit. Yeah. So we need a certain amount of honesty in our church yeah. as well. That doesn't have to come from the pulpit. Yeah. But I think that needs in order to uh, properly contextualize this, we need 
some of that. So how do we go about starting that maybe in a, if we're a person who's not used to doing that, if we're in an environment that doesn't have a lot of that, what's a good place to start? Well, let's start with the recognition of where you're at, which is you have negative feelings and that makes you precisely normal uh, because everybody has negative feelings. (laughs) Regardless of what they believe or what they purport to believe, everybody has negative feelings. That's, That's just a part of life. And we're sorry for it. We're sorry that you're dealing with that. The other thing that's true about your situation today... But do you mean like atheists have negative, negative feelings? No, I mean everyone. Oh. But I'm glad you asked, Glenn, <laughs> because that leads to my next point, which is Jim Bibleman has negative feelings too. He knows the most right. Bible and believes all the right things, and he has negative feelings just like you do. And he's not doing as good a job hiding them as he thinks he is. Yeah. <laughs> Look, here, here's the thing, man, is one of the odd things about the work that we do is, is we do end up being kind of counseling and disaster recovery for professionals in ministry. When people who pastor churches or lead denominations or write books, um, when they really hit a hard time, we are the people they come and talk to, which is a very odd thing that that would be true, but so We're it pastor is. FEMA. What's up? We're pastor FEMA. We are pastor FEMA. That's exactly right. And here's the thing. You feel like you're a hot mess with your feelings. I am telling you, every pastor I know thinks they are just as hot a mess as you think you are. Yeah. Every one of them, without exception. So um, part of what's going on is that you're actually—it's kind of a sin of omission, but you're being lied to. You're— if you're in Christian culture, you're receiving a lot of messages. People say, I'm doing great, y'all. I just, I'm blessed, I'm anointed, I'm highly favored, I believe all the right things in my life is great. And you know what, y'all, if you buy my new book that's for sale in the Narthex right now, your life could probably be almost as great as mine is. So get out that Visa card. Right. You're hearing that all day, every day, and it's a lie. It's it's a marketing pitch, so we can be generous and refer to it that way, But but it is not a truthful representation of reality. What we do need is we need some honesty from others. We need some honesty from ourselves, and we need a safe place that allows honesty to occur. So there's a few things that we can do about that. The first is if you have other struggles in your life, maybe you deal with substance abuse, maybe you deal with with other issues of addiction, um, a good 12-step meeting is a great place to have more honesty in your life. It's a really, really good thing. Um, Celebrate Recovery can be a great resource on that. If you're dealing with with specific substance problems, um, AA can be a great resource. That's always a good possibility. Another good thing is to just get involved in ministry to the least of these. That Uh could be helping out at a homeless shelter. That could be uh, helping out with a service at at a county jail. Um, But when you're dealing with people with with pretty obvious problems, it tends to create a culture where there's more honesty altogether. Um, that That just is true, so that's something to look for. But here's the thing is you deserve a place where you can be honest. You deserve a place where you can speak openly and and not be judged. That's really the key thing, where you can speak honestly and people are not looking at you like you're an alien. And I would love for you if the if you went to a couple of church friends and tried to get that going and it totally worked out. I'd love it if that was true. That doesn't always happen that way. It doesn't always play out that way. The thing about this is you need in your life a place where you can be honest. And so we need to embrace this as a journey that we need to start and not stop till we find that. That could be a licensed counselor. That could be um, a church pastor. It doesn't need to be the pastor from the church you go to on Sunday morning. Um, that could be a youth leader. That could be a person that uh, works in other forms of vocational ministry. Um, 
But again, you deserve a place where you can go and you can talk openly about your feelings without being judged for them, without being looked down on them. And uh, we want to encourage you to to get on that journey and to not stop until you have found that. That's a great, great way to build on that. And Glenn, I'd love you to close out here. Um, I think one of the things that may be going on here um, is, as Jed's kind of pointing out there, is there's a lot of Sunday morning focus on positivity. Mm-hmm. Let's be yeah. positive. Yeah. It's all great. And I was just reading yeah. in the scriptures this morning and was so touched that I just I just wept yeah. my morning weep at how wow. wonderful it all is. Yeah. But it's not all always wonderful. I got up and stubbed my toe and I said darn. Right. And then I came <laughs> overcome by guilt with that. But then I thought about um, you know, my favorite uh, famous Christian and what he said about people who say darn, and I felt a lot better about that. So it was yeah. touch and go there for a while, Yeah, but I really pulled it out. Yeah, And there's a lot of um, glossing... That's a, that's a deep confession. There's a lot of glossing yeah. over problems. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, skipping to the end on problems. So I wonder if what our, what our friend is feeling here isn't almost necessarily that much of... Uh, there's part of, obviously, you know, if you believed you'd feel the right way, but also that kind of... When you don't feel the right way, the answer is just plug in a belief real quick. Right. And then move on. Yeah. And that may be underselling the negative side of uh, life. That's right. Yeah. It, life is complicated. And that's part of what we're talking about here. And part of what we're also trying to kind of work around is the stuff that we know that pastors are told about this stuff. Yes. Your pastor did not make this up. That's right. That, And that's worth saying that some of these guys, they just don't know. I mean, they, they were taught stuff that's not helpful. And that, by not helpful, you mean actively harmful? Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, and and that stuff comes out, and you know it it it, it creates problems, right? So, for example, we had a guy who uh, went to seminary later in life, uh, and he came to the bridge, and he uh, spoke at the bridge, and and uh, delivered a sermon, and he he uh, the 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 essence of his sermon was, if you have problems, you need to be like that Nike ad campaign. Just do it. Mm. Now, Glenn, the attitude of just do it is what led many of the people at the bridge to um, end up at the bridge. They had a thought, and they thought, well, I'll just do it. Yeah. And then squad car, jail, bridge. Exactly. (laughs) So I took took this guy, uh, uh, and this wasn't a young, naive guy, is is part of what I'm saying, an older older guy. I took him to McDonald's, sat him down, and I said, Here's the thing. You can't tell a room full of people earnestly and sincerely seeking Jesus and trying desperately to figure out how to get their lives on track and tell them, just do it. You can't do that. <laughs> that's the opposite of advice. Yes. that's you. Ha- th- what made you think that that was a thing? Like, you can't, you can't say that. I mean, what, what, how did that, how did that, work in your brain because you considered it you thought it sure. you, then then another part of your brain says you know what that's it you don't go into or- <laughs> the orthopedic surgery ward and say why don't y'all just start walking right exactly i mean it's just so um and and the guy bless his heart he looked me right in the eye he says hey this is what they told me in seminary and i'm sure it's got to be good and right because those people know stuff and they they're the experts and, this and is I what, paid a lot of money to and go there to stay. A lot of money, and now I'm bona fide, and I have the certificate, and I'm in there. So they've got to be right about that. And you say, well, okay. My point to him was, I I think I can get my mind around how that happens and why you feel that way, and so on and so forth. But just as a point of logic, you can understand this is not 
You just, this is not <laughs> sure. Also, as a point of standing in in a room in front of fifty very angry people, that's it. Yeah. This did not work. Yeah. This is no longer theoretical. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is you know. And I literally asked him per per our comments earlier in the in the episode here. I I asked him, did you run this by your wife? Because I, you you go for all the help <laughs> you can get. She wouldn't have gone for that. I promise you. Um, but it's it's uh, this is what we call short braining the situation. Yeah. You're just overly reducing everything down because there's stuff you don't know about, so you're just th- throwing that part out. Um, the truth is, there's a there's a ton of complicated reasons why we don't always do the right thing, and it's a ton of complicated reasons why we don't always have the the uh, a healthy emotional state about stuff. Right. Uh, the theology is simple. It's the human being part that's super complicated. And we don't want to skip over that at all. We want to get into that. We want to dive into that. Uh, that's because, uh, again, contrary to what, unfortunately, a lot of pastors have been taught, good psychology and healthy spiritual life go hand in hand. Those right. These things aren't contradictory to each <laughs> other. It's not like we'll start working on one and we'll never get to the other because they're in opposite directions or something. You know, it's like it, it, it's like someone uh, saying, "Well, I, you know, I'm not going to go to the doctor because I have emotional problems, and that might lead to something dangerous if I go to a doctor." <laughs> and it, you know, it no, these are these are two different problems in two different areas, but they all overlap, and and, and it's not like working on one's going to hurt the other in some sort of way. Um, final thing is. Um, uh, there's an episode in the in the Bible where uh, Jesus is talking to a father, and he's talking about his son and the son being healing. Being healed, he says, "If you have faith, he'll he'll be healed." And uh, if you have belief, and and the father says, "Well, I've got belief. You need to help me with my unbelief," which is a really weird thing to say. I've thought about that verse a lot over you know the past several years. And I realized I think he's got a point there that we're missing. Yep. That you can you you can have belief and unbelief in the same brain. Right. <laughs> I got oh I believe. I just got this unbelief. That's the whole problem. You know, <laughs> you know, we, we tend to think one pushes the other one out of your brain as if you can't hold two contradictory opinions in the same head. I mean, that's just that's not a very good understanding of how our minds work. Uh but uh, it's about recognizing that uh, that believing in the right things is, is not a, a simple matter of I onboard all this intellectually and my emotions immediately come become aligned to that. That's you know, just <laughs> right, right, right. That's just insane. For, I'm saying it. This is like Lee is saying. I'm saying this out loud. It sounds crazy when I say it. Why, why does it make sense in your head? But uh, it's about getting to a place where you, where you accept that um, the landscape of your mind and the emotions and stuff that are happening there are super complicated. And give yourself permission to take your time to deal with that, to not uh, get a, a theological guilt going about that, to recognize you've mm. got good beliefs, you are right, you do believe the right stuff. There's, there's a, some lies in there, there's some emotional problems in there, there's maybe an unbelief about a thing in there that God's promises to you may not be totally true, because of that thing you just did, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it's about going in there and taking time and rooting those things out, knowing that God is patient with you and he loves you. I think it's a really great point. I'll close this out by uh, pointing out one other lapse in the thinking that a lot of people are taught on this stuff that we can be on the lookout for. And uh, as, as going to pointing out there, a lot of the stuff 
we, we've talked a lot on the show about kind of toxic ideas that uh, you might be getting from the pulpit. And, you know, we, we're not big fans of Ethan Meat and Spout the Bones. But there's a difference between that and someone who has a good heart, wants to say the right thing, and as we're saying, is a bit impeded a bit by what they've been taught. Mm-hmm. So we, we do want to make some, some different differentiation on that. And yes. this is another one of those points of, um, and this is a thing that is still taught at many uh, prominent Christian colleges and seminaries this day, is that psychology is one step above pure on, full-out Satanism. Yep. Um, and there's a lot of uh, younger pastors, a lot of older pastors, but a lot of pastors who've done the work and seen that that's insane, but they can they're kind of going at half measures on that. And I'll tell you what I mean yeah. by that. You'll get a lot of, I read the thing in the New England Journal of Medicine about anxiety, and here's what it says is the cause. And then that's as far as they'll get, and they'll say, and here's the Bible verse that's the answer. Right. So we understood the cause, and we Bibled the answer. And that's not the same as what we would say about that and what we're talking about. I mean, as Glenn is saying, there are psychological and physical and spiritual answers to all things. Right. This idea of, well, the problem is naughty, but the answer is very simple and very purely spiritual. That's, that's again, not particularly helpful, but we can, you, if you understand what a lot of these folks have been taught, you can see how they get there and how that's actually, really actually to go back to our last question, that's a pretty big progression mm-hmm. in the right way. Mm-hmm. But you can... They, this idea of believe it, well, I do believe it, but I still got problems. Well, believe it harder. Right. That's not really um, something to do. And one of the things you, you'll, you'll do better on is whether that's with a small group or meeting with that pastor one-on-one or emailing us, whatever, to sit down and say, okay, I understand X, Y, Z. I got the, the, the fancy word for that would be the propositional element of this. I got that. I'm still stuck. So what do you got for me there? And even someone who has, again, some of these maybe preaching deficiencies talk about, will often do a good job on that. Say, oh, well, that's yeah. your thing. You, yeah. you need to get some of the answer to this is to get a little more of a, an interactive environment, yes. which hopefully your pastor's happy to do. If not, hopefully there's someone on the staff. And if if not, feel free to, to get to us and you'll get where you're going. If you want to reach out to us, if you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. We're going to the song this week. It's been a while since we've taken you out with a Lee song. This is Lee's version of a great old hymn, the song I really like, called Oh, the Deep, Deep Love of Jesus. Ooh. Check out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Let's say that podcast. Our wives and female volunteers can do better ministry by accident than your seminary professors can do on purpose. Bite down on that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Deep, deep love of Jesus, vast, unmeasured, boundless, free.